making money on other people's money, that is key to building wealth, right. period. Leveraging other people's money and banks' money is key to building big, like, big dollar amount wealth. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I'm here with my main man, Dave Savulich, for another segment of Whiskey Wednesday, where we're going to talk about a couple things going on in our world, trending topics in the short-term rental space, and then we always answer a couple of your guys' questions that you send in. If you're listening to these episodes and you'd like your questions answered, make sure you send them in to us, DM us, post them in the comments on whatever platform you're watching or listening on, and we'll make sure that we add them to one of our upcoming segments of Whiskey Wednesday and get your questions answered. So Dave, let's dive in. Let's All get, right. well, let's get this guys, party started today. If uh, you guys are out there listening and not actually viewing this, you'll notice we're probably coming to you in some extra special sound because we got new speakers here. And, uh, <laughs> new speakers, new, new is, microphones. This is awesome. Uh, yeah, sorry, new new microphones. Yeah, so this is you're going to enjoy this. Uh, this is like, it's kind of like 3D, but for sound, you know? So <laughs> anyways. All right, so let's jump right in. So I'm going to just ask you, I'm going to give you two words. You just have to pick one or the other. We're going to learn a little bit about you. Pretty easy. Not, okay. not hard, but All kind right. of fun. All, All right. right. So summer or winter? Summer. Okay, good. I like that. I was thinking you'd say winter. No, summer. All right. Water or milk? Milk. Okay, good. Ice? No ice. 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 So like in your drink, right? Yeah. A little ice in your... Okay. Unless it's my scotch right here. I, I yeah. Like it. I like it neat at times. <laughs> okay. Shorts or pants? <laughs> Shorts. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> you didn't think right. I was going there because I, I always wear boots and I pants. I know it. I, right. I, like, I like throwing pair of shorts on in, in the summertime a little bit. Sleep or awake? Awake. Okay. Yeah, that's that yeah. for sure. Football or basketball? Football. Okay. To play or watch? I don't know. I say football. I All like, right. I like okay, watching well, let's, football. Let's, let's dive in. I like watching football the best. Watching football. Obviously, I, pl I like uh, to play, play basketball. basketball. All right. And then last one, pro or college? Oh, oh man, this <laughs> used to be an easy one for me. College all day, right? Always, right? But but now, you're you're an NFL. I like pro NFL guy, pro guy, right? Yeah, and now that the college game has changed, where they're with the NIL money, and it's, yeah, it's so just a pro game anyway. It so is, yeah, it's different. I'm, yeah, I'm. I like I like the NFL. All right, good. Well, that's good. Well, we learned a little bit more. A couple of those kind of threw me off a little bit. I thought you'd say winter versus yeah, summer. You thought I'd say pants. I knew you'd say milk, ice, no ice. I I. I I thought you'd say pants. Here, let me see that list. I'll give you the... I'm gonna, we're going to split right, the screen. Okay, okay let's, let's hear yours. Summer or winter? Summer, I for sure. That. Water, milk. Water. Ice, no ice. Ice. Shorts, pants. Totally shorts. Sleeves or sleep or awake <laughs> sleeves? Uh, well, that's a tough one. Half and half. Sleep 12 hours, wake... No, sleep 10 hours, wake yeah. other. So sleep. <laughs> so anytime you need like more than eight I'm, hours, it's yeah, sleep. Yeah, I like a good... I got to get a good eight or nine hours yeah. every night or I'm in trouble. Football or basketball? For sure, basketball. Pro or college? College. No question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I could, I could answer those for you. Uh, yep. I was trying to throw you off on mine a little bit. <laughs> All right. Back. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. <laughs> so let's talk about a short-term rental, uh, you know, kind of trending topic or things that that's out there on people's minds. I think one of the things that people have brought up and talked a little bit about recently is diversification. Now, sometimes that comes up with changes in the market elections, things going on in society, things like that. But diversification financially is a big topic that people really want to understand and, and really want to dive into a little bit more. And I think diversification comes into play more in those who are in the 40s and 50 year olds. You know, when you're young, you don't think as much about diversification. I think you should, because that's where you get the most bang for the buck. But you start getting a little bit nervous about, hey, my 401k, my life insurance, can I retire, things like that. So I want to talk about diversification and 
kind of what your thoughts are and why short-term rentals is a great diversification play for for people yeah yeah and and this is a this is actually a really interesting topic for me i i feel like i have a bit of a contrarian view on diversification generally speaking people agree that diversification is a good thing and i and i all agree with that to a to an extent and i'll i'll kind of go in and explain this a little bit so this might get a little long-winded more than you wanted on this episode. Uh, no, it's okay. I planned I planned <laughs> so, a certain amount of time so for this. So one, I think that most people in the beginning stages don't take enough time to tr- choose the right path for their money. I think that traditionally speaking, we put it in 401ks and we throw it in the stock market and then we do these traditional investments that typically are not going to meet most people's investment goals. And so we're thinking, okay, I need to diversify. I need to do these different things. And, and that diversification has a lot of benefits in protecting you, but in the beginning stages, I don't think people pick the right asset in the first place. And I also believe the smaller amount of money that you have, if you ever really look back and study the richest people in the world and the most successful people and the wealthiest people, they don't diversify until they have money, right? Right. They get very laser focused on picking the right passive income vehicle or some the, the investment that they're going to get into. And they're going to stick to that until they start to get enough money where they can start to diversify. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that concept, yep. right? I don't think you take the shotgun approach, especially in the beginning. I think that a lot of people ultimately, they do what is what they think they're supposed to do, you know, with 401ks and stock markets and everything else. And they don't give enough thought to, is that investment vehicle going to help me reach my investment goals? Because most of the time it's not, right? You have to choose a vehicle that is going to help you reach your goals. So then we come to the point where we say in our forties or fifties and we say, okay, I, I want to, I've got a little bit more money now. Where should I put it? Should I put it back into what has been, yeah. you know, in, in my, where I'm just, what I've told been doing. If, if that helps you reach your investment goals and reach your outcomes, great, put your money there. Most people, that's not the case. And so they start to look for other passive income vehicles like short-term rentals, long-term rentals, crypto, whatever it is, whatever you're looking at, you're looking at it because most of the time your vehicle of choice is not reaching your goals. So then we have to say, okay, Now I'm going to dive into this game. You have all these choices of diversifying in the actual game. Let's keep it in the short-term rental lane. A lot of people will say, well, you know, what about, should I invest in one market in short-term rentals? Should I build a portfolio in one market or should I buy in multiple different markets? Well, now I like diversification there. I'm, I'm committed to an asset class but I do like to diversify across that asset class. Different properties, different Different sizes, different markets, different Different seasonality, different events that can happen. Real estate is very regional and it always has been. The ups and downs are very regional. And so if you've got a portfolio in a specific lane like short-term rentals and we diversify into different markets, then all of a sudden we start to protect ourselves, but I'm still very laser focused on that asset class. Does that make sense? I'm a big believer in being very, very focused on one specific asset class until you start to have it operating on all cylinders where you're actually achieving the outcomes that you're looking to achieve. And then you start to think about diversifying. Some of the wealthiest people in the world, they also have major portfolios that are extremely diversified, right? right? But they didn't start there. If you really look back, what it started with was a very diligent process on choosing the right investment for them to reach their goals. And then when you choose that investment, in my case, for example, I own properties in a lot of different markets, right? Instead of saying, okay, I'm, I've, I've had really good success in this market and I'm going to double down in this market. Yeah. We've seen people have success doing that. The problem with it is what happens when that region experiences a major storm or an economic downturn or something that's going on, your entire portfolio now is affected. And so I like to diversify within asset classes 
and but still stay very laser focused on the asset class I choose. Yeah. Well, and I like, and I agree. I think that's a good strategy. The other thing that I think most people are attracted to short-term rentals is within short-term rentals, there are several real positive benefits from investing in them. The tax benefit, the lifestyle asset, the personal use, the vacation side of it, the appreciation of the property. So in most cases, you, in, in almost every single case, the property is going to appreciate. And then lastly, the ability to passive income. Yeah. So those are super important things for a lot of people. So yeah. I, I I like it. I, I think people should dive in and they should diversify, but we love short-term rentals. That's what we, you know, what we promote. We stay in our swim lanes. We love everything about short-term rentals and that's yeah. why we do what we do. So yeah. And, and, and it's choosing a vehicle, like you said, that has multiple benefits, right? right? If cash flow suffers a little bit, does, does that take down the entire investment? No, because I've got personal use and it's appreciating while it's maybe breaking even on Right. It. And so there's all these, if you have five or six benefits, right, you're diversifying your return on exactly. that investment. That one specific investment has multiple ways to diversify your return, whether it's personal use, whether it's tax advantages, whether it's cash flow, whether it's appreciation. And so choose a vehicle that actually can help you diversify the return on that as well, right? And it's not just judged by one thing. You buy crypto, it either goes up or it goes down. You're yeah. not, there's not a lot of diversification inside of crypto. Crypto. I'm not picking on crypto. I don't own any because I think it's very speculative, right? There's not enough levers I can pull. It's just saying, here's my money. I'm going to let the market do what it does. And it's either going up or going down. I don't have multiple ways to get a return on that investment. If you choose a vehicle that has multiple ways to get a return on that investment, now all of a sudden you're diversifying that return, right? And so there's, there's a lot of things when you start to really peel back the layers of the onion on diversification that this conversation could be, you know, an hour long episode, because those are the things you have to think about. And I think that people just assume I'm going to take the shotgun approach and diversification is really good because it spreads out my risk. The problem with it is you really don't maximize your return because you don't get good at anything when you really start to spread out too thin. No, I like that. Good advice. There is one thing that can make or break your success with short-term rentals, and that's your ability to provide your guests with an amazing night's rest. We're taking all of the guest work out of selecting the perfect mattress system. Personally, I have these custom mattresses in every one of my short-term rentals. We love them so much that we even got them in our own personal homes here in Utah. So visit VodiceySleepSystem.com and use the promo code PODCAST. It's all caps at checkout to get 55% off. All right, let's jump into a couple questions. Um, how do you feel about borrowing against a life insurance policy for a down payment in the short-term rental game? Yeah, I, I like one, it's just, it's, it's deciding where are you going to get the best return on your money, right? If I've got life insurance policy, HELOCs, anything that I'm going to borrow against that I'm, I, all I, for me, it's a matter of what is my yield spread between what I'm paying to borrow it and what I'm making on the back end, right? Right. Some people are like, there's good debt and there's bad debt. The wealthy people in the world, they all leverage assets all the time. Sometimes that's life insurance policies and they look, they're paying attention to the yield spread. They're not saying, okay, I can go buy this property, but if I'm paying, if I'm borrowing against my life insurance for a 4% and I'm, it's costing me 4% 4% to borrow that money, I better be making more than 4% on whatever I'm putting it into. Typically you want a multiple of that, right? So you're saying, okay, I want to, I want to get X amount of return. For example, if I was looking at a, a piece of property right now, let's say I was I was going to borrow $100,000 to put $20,000, 20% down on a $500,000 property, right? And hopefully, bear with me, hopefully my math's right, because I'm just doing this in there. $100,000 I'm paying 4% on. That money is costing me $4,000 a year to borrow. But I'm putting it into an investment. Let's say that investment is only cash flowing 2%. And you're saying, okay, I've got a negative yield spread on cash flow. However, when we talked about multiple layers of return right. on an investment, let's say I buy that property 
and it goes up by 5% in the first year, right? It appreciates by 5% in the first year. And I put the $100,000 in, it appreciated by 5%. That $500,000 property went up $25,000. I put $100,000 in, I gained $25,000 of equity. I paid $4,000 and I had actually, I had a little bit of cash flow, but I really only recouped about $2,000 on, on my, on my 4,000 for cash flow. So it really wasn't cash flowing much for me, but I still had a positive net return. It's, I paid four and I made roughly 22 or 23%. That's yeah. a pretty, remember I said multiples of yields, uh, a yield return. So most people don't dive into it and look at it that way. They say, should I borrow against this? Should I not borrow? There's plenty of times where you over leverage a property as well and that you shouldn't be borrowing because you're essentially 100% financing the property. But leveraging, making money on other people's money, that is key to building wealth, right. period. Right. Leveraging other people's money and banks' money is key to building big, like big dollar amount wealth. And that's, that's a simple example of how I could get a positive 22% return by borrowing against a life insurance policy that I'm paying 4% on, right? Yeah. Because a lot of times your life insurance policy, your 401ks, your HELOCs, some of those like your 401ks and your life insurance policies, they're going to be fairly low interest rates that you're borrowing against, right? It's your money. Now, it might stop that $100,000 from making you your 6 to 8% that the maybe the life insurance is generating. So you have to factor that in. But in this case, I'd still be at around that 15 to 16% positive yield on that borrowed money. Right. And so I don't think that people typically run the numbers and look at it that way on whether they should borrow to get into other right. assets. Leverage can be a really, really beautiful thing when you understand it and when you look at it, but you have to look at it deal by deal because not every deal makes sense to borrow against. Exactly. To say, yep. should I borrow against it or not? Well, it's not that simple. Maybe, maybe not. Good. I. I didn't know you were a mathematician. <laughs> Dude, you, you, were you, hey, were you keeping up with me? I, well, I just it's, little, it's early on a Wednesday and I'm a little I have confused a, it's early right now. But um, I'm, a, I, I'm not I even am, really a glass in and so I was good to do. I'm impressed at that. He, yeah, he had a minor in, in mathematician at Weber State University. So, uh, yeah, or, or I do this every day, all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. All right. Let's go to the last question here is, and, and I, this is a really interesting question for me. This has come up with various calls that I've been on. And I think this is super imperative for people who are really evaluating and underwriting properties right now in the country. And it's how do you underwrite in a small market near a large market? And then I'll give you an example here in Utah and, and close to home. And that hopefully this makes sense to people, but Park City is a big market. There's a few surrounding towns that are super awesome. They're amazing. They're great locations. There's properties available in those smaller markets. So how do you underwrite, how do you analyze and evaluate those smaller markets compared to a park city? Great question. And one of the biggest mistakes that new and inexperienced investors make when they're underwriting deals is they assume because they're in right outside of a major market, right. you mentioned park city, class A resort town, major market for vacation rentals, visitors, lots of people coming in for a lot of different reasons all throughout the year to visit the mountains in Utah and the ski resorts in Utah. That is a major market. You cannot underwrite the numbers in Park City, even though you know you're only 15 minutes outside of Park City when you're in a different area. Yep. You will still have people coming into that area, but the tools, the data tools we have available now allow us to segment out zip codes and areas and things like that. You've got to analyze your area and not lump yourself into the major resort towns that are just neighboring or right next door to you because it does not work that way. Yep. You know, there is going to be a fall off. Everybody here in Utah knows 
that Heber is right outside of Park City or some of these these neighboring towns. And they're like, hey, I really like Heber. It's beautiful there, right? We know how awesome that town is. Yep. We know how close it is to Park City. People across the country that are coming in to visit Park City, particularly when you're in a major resort town and it's not a backyard resort community, they're not searching. They don't, they're not as familiar with Heber, for example. You're not going to get the exposure without the exposure. Right. You're not going to get the bookings. And when everything else in Heber is, you know, half the prices it is in Park City, even though it's close, and it could be a great bargain if you're listening and looking to come to Utah. It might be a great spot to go because there's, it's a beautiful valley. And close. And yeah. close. But when you're buying a property, you can't say, well, I'm only 15 minutes outside of this major town when you're not in, the, when you're right. Not in that market. Yeah. right? Especially because Airbnb is not going to allow you to put Park City on your listing when, you, when you're in Heber, for right. example. So yeah. you have to really pay attention, especially in the major markets. If you're not, if your zip code or your address is not in that market, you better be underwriting for the market that your address yep. is actually so in. that you plan accordingly, buying the right property in the right location, mm -hmm. so that the numbers that you're underwriting for come to fruition once yeah. you buy the property. Yeah, right. And that goes, and that also goes in like we talk about underwriting all the time, right? And and I get really passionate about it because it's what a lot of investors make a mistake on, and it's really really hard to go back and correct that mistake, right? Yeah, right? And so sure. when you buy a property expecting to make 150 grand and you're making 80 and you're hitting, you're like, I, can, I, I don't have the room to go to 80. You're like, why'd you think it was 150? Yeah. They make the wrong move. All of a sudden they're in a bind investment wise, right? So that's why I get, get a little passionate about it. It's not because we think we're smarter. We see the mistakes all the time yep. and we underwrite properties all the time. It's exactly why there's such a wide revenue range even within markets, right? Within Park City, there's going to be, there are going to be properties that are ski and ski out. There's going to be properties on the golf course. There's going to be properties on lakes. Those properties, because of the proximity of where they're at within that market, yeah. have the potential to earn higher to than the other properties on the other. outskirts yeah, of that market. Absolutely. They'll pay more for a ski and absolutely. ski out than they will for a you know quick five-minute Uber ride to the ski resort. Exactly. Yeah. You can do certain things to jump up a price tier too and, and, and maximize the revenue on the asset you have. That doesn't always mean you're going to maximize at the top of the market. You have to have all the things to operate at the top of the market. And one of those things is proximity in that location. Investors would just assume that, okay, well, if I'm in this market, I can, I can no matter what operate at the top of the market. No, you can't. The original question is, if I'm outside of that market, I should underwrite the numbers in that market. No, you shouldn't. Right. You need to underwrite. And the data tools available, again, when you understand them, you can get this data very specific to the area that you're in. No, that's great. I appreciate that advice. And hopefully that helps people as they you know, kind of underwrite in, in local markets that are close to big markets. I think that's a big, big thing and, and it's super important. So, so what we got today, that great. was a great, right, uh, great episode. All Good right. job. We learned a little bit about you, talked a little bit about diversification and finances, and then answer a few questions. You so, saw how my man, math skills were right on the spot. I, math, we, get, we had a math tutor session and we also have new mics. And we so, have new mics. This, so. is a great, this is a great show. <laughs> it's a great day, right? It's a great day of Odyssey. All right, guys. Well, listen, we appreciate you spending your time with us. We know how valuable it is and always appreciate you spending it here with us. If you have questions, make sure that you send them in, DM us or comment on whatever platform you're watching or listening on. And at the end of every episode, I always ask you two favors. The first one is, if you got any value out of this, like it, share it, the show, you know, give us a review. If you have more than 30 seconds, those things help us grow. It helps us get the word out, spread the message about all things vacation rental investing. And then the final thing that I always ask you at the end of every episode is the most important thing. Go pick one thing you can do today. Start build that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. <laughs> Keep, Keep that rolling. Cheers. Keep that rolling. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs>